If you have your Bibles, we'll be in John chapter 15, uh, and we'll be in verses 1 through 8. Now, last week we talked about the soils, if you were here. We talked about what it is, that the soils represent the heart, and we, we went through one of the parables that Jesus uh, spoke about. This week we're going to talk about the fruit. What is the fruit that is produced in a believer's life? Tonight, we want to look at exactly what fruit is, and you know, because we all have an idea of what fruit is, but we want to see what God considers fruit, okay? Now, we will be discussing one of the, the famous stories that Jesus told. I want to set up the scene for you. It's, it's the night that Jesus would be betrayed. They, they are just finishing uh, the Last Supper. They, Judas has just left the building because he was going to betray the Lord. And in this process, could you imagine being betrayed to this capacity, betraying to death? You know, Jesus loved Judas. Jesus had picked Judas, and he said, even though one of you is of the devil. So he loved him, and out of his love, because you got to remember, this night, imagine if you were about to be executed the next day. All the emotion that you would feel. All the turmoil that you would feel. But yet Jesus leaves the upper room. They're crossing through the Kidron Valley. And they come upon a, a area that is talking about the vine and the branches. So Jesus begins to teach. Let's pick up the story in John 15. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, I in him. He who bears fruit... For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." There is a key to producing fruit, and it's found in this story that Jesus told. Now, remember the context, because context always, this is going to be more of a teaching, okay? The context is always, tells you the thrust of what prompts a story. So Jesus is talking to his, his 11. One of his disciples has left to go do what he had to do, which was betray Jesus. So Jesus it prompts Jesus to tell this story. Listen, sometimes hurt produces the greatest teachings. When you look at this situation, the turmoil that Jesus felt, he produced a teaching that would last for 2,000 years. Judas leaves. So Jesus, some, some scholars say that Jesus was walking and he stopped and he started to teach his disciples about the vine and the branches as it was growing. Now, in John 15, 1, it says, I am the true vine. Jesus is saying that I am the vine. If you remember the story in Isaiah 5, 7, 
It talks about the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. This is, brings up the point how Jesus would always, you remember the manna rained down from heaven. And Jesus would say, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Remember in the story of Isaiah, the hedges were broken down and, and basically the vineyard got trampled on. But Jesus would, is saying here that I am the true vine. I am the vine. And his disciples are the branches, or you are the branches. Paul would also echo this in Romans. Remember in Romans, he, said, he talks about the olive tree that was grafted in, the true olive branch, and then we were grafted in. So agriculture is a big deal in the Middle East because it provides a lot of teaching. And, and by the way, Israel is one of the most, they, they provide the most out of any country right now. Remember, this used to be a desert place. This is one of the prophetic things that has happened. It produces the most fruit on the face of the earth. It fills the fruit, it fills the earth with fruit. I think that's amazing coming from the fact that it was a desert. You know, there was a time when Mark Twain went to, to, to Israel, and he looked at this desert, and he was saying, "Is there's no way that anything here can live. But now it is a fruit-producing place, and that's just evidence, because the Bible says before the Messiah comes back, that it would blossom like a rose. Now listen, there are a lot of trees out there that are producing fruit. If you ever notice, if you get around certain groups of people, you will begin to produce the same type of fruit. There are other denominations, religions that produce different types of fruit. I mean, you have Islam, they produce a fruit. You have Buddhism, they produce a fruit. You have Confuci Confuciism, they produce a fruit. Uh, secular humanists, they produce a fruit. It's the, it's the vine that you are connected to is what fruit that you will produce. Now, it says also in John 15, 1, God is the vine dresser. Now, what does a vine dresser do? He does two things. He cuts off branches that does not produce fruit because it drains the sap that produces the fruit. So you, so you need to understand that if you're, you're one of the branches, God's snipping on you. He's snipping on you. John 15, 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that he may bear more fruit. This word prune means to cleanse or purge, and I want you to remember that. I'll tell you the word. I really don't even know how to pronounce it. It's not that important, but it's katheario, okay? Now, remember that word because I want to show you something later. Listen, there are some things in life that will drain your abilities to produce fruit. There are some things that, that conviction can come in and, and, and it can pull, it could snip the very thing that is hindering you from producing fruit. And it may not necessarily be sinful. It could be just time consuming. But here's my question to you tonight. Do you even desire to produce fruit? Some of us just want to come to church, want to do our thing. Listen, you want to desire to produce fruit. When you stand before God on that glorious day, when the gates are open and we stand before God and we enter into the Bema Seat judgment, we don't want to be up there and say, oh, God, thank you that you let me in. 
We want to go in and say, I can't wait to stand before my Lord and Master and give an account of the very things that he entrusted me to do. See, you're not going around doing religious things. You're doing things that the master has given you to do, and he wants to bless you as you do them. So if you continue on producing fruit, you will continue thriving in the kingdom of God. You may notice that some people have been taken out of your life. You know, when I, when I first got saved, there were people, and my friend Jeremy is here, uh, we, we ran with some certain people, but none of them are serving God anymore. Now, God just began to remove them out of the picture, not because there was anything wrong. It's just God had certain plans, and some people don't fit in God's plans for your life. Number two, he prunes fruit, bearing branches so it will produce more fruit. Now, think about this. God never intends for us to be stagnant. He never is like, hey, just hang out right here. He is always trying to move us further along. There is nothing that will fulfill your life, and God knows this, than the fruit that you produce. If you are serving God, you will be happier than when you're not serving God. When you're producing fruit, you will feel this life-giving presence in your life. There is no high. I'm not even going to say like the most high. There is nothing like serving God. Nothing. Listen, the smallest things that you do for God are greater than the biggest things that you could do in the world. When you, when you are doing something from, for God and God is looking down and saying, wow, I am so pleased with you. I am so pleased with you. You are so trustworthy with what I've given you. So I'm going to give you more. And then on top of giving you more, I'm going to bless everything that you touch. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to guard your family. I'm going to watch out. I'm going to make sure that the enemy, I see the enemy when you don't see him, and I will put that hedge up. That's the process of serving God. You grow from glory to glory to glory. God is always working in an area of your life to improve you. You know, we sing the chorus, come up higher. You know how he does that? The snipping. It's dropping the dead weight. Notice when you study God's word, he gives you more. You read a verse of scripture and you sit back in your chair and you're like, wow, I've been reading this scripture for 20 years and never saw that. Remember what Jesus said, he that is given much, much more will be required and he will give you more knowledge. We learned that last week. I read something the other day, and I, it really, I think it, it, it blessed me. It says, you may have even seen it. It's sometimes when you are in a dark place, you think that you have been buried, but actually you have been planted. Every dark moment that you go through in life is a growth experience. You are learning. You are moving higher, you are moving farther with God when you begin to trust him in those dark places. I can remember teaching Sunday school here in the J building years ago, a couple years ago, it wasn't that, that long ago. But, <laughs> uh, but during that time, I remember studying 
And we would do verse by verse. We'd go through Galatians, Romans, these different books of the Bible, verse by verse. And I would come, come to, to, you know, to the church and, and I would study all day on Saturday. And it was so exciting. I, I, I love studying God's word. And I would get here and sometimes it would be three people. Sometimes it would be ten people. And sometimes it would be no one. And, you know, you could look at that and say, man, you know, you can get frustrated. You, you know, you could get I'm like, man, God, is, is this even counting for anything? Is, is what I'm doing mattering? And all the time, you know what God was doing? Teaching me how to study. He was, show, he was proving, he was letting me see if, if I was going to be faithful, what, what he gave you, what he gave me. And never in my wildest dreams did I think that God would allow me to be doing this very thing, which is my absolute dream, to stand before you and teach the word of God. And it's all because of faithfulness. You know what our friendships need? Consistency. You know what our relationships need? Consistency. With God, consistency. You know, it's like we don't get rooted enough to grow. A circumstance come, knocks us over. We have to stay planted. Listen, I've been through some stuff, and I know that you have been through some stuff. Let me encourage you tonight. Grab down deep. Dig in and hold on because God is taking you somewhere, regardless of what you're seeing, regardless of what you're experiencing. God is moving you far beyond what you can see. And a lot of times it comes while you're in the darkest moments of your life. Listen, there's not a tree on this earth that says, I don't feel like producing fruit. It produces fruit because that's what it was designed to do. There is no tree on this earth that says, man, I haven't produced a lot of fruit. I need to get with it. It produces fruit because of what it is. Remember what we said last week in Luke 8.15. And the seed in the good soil, they're the ones who have heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. I want to pull over in James. Now, James is the little brother of Jesus. James was Mary and Joseph's biological son. And he would write the great book of James. The book of James is one of the greatest books in the Bible. I really encourage you to read the book of James. In James chapter 2, verses 14 and 17, I want you to hear this verse. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now look carefully at what Jesus' little brother is saying. He, this is what he said. It, it struck me says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith? You caught that? If he says he has faith. There's a lot of people that say they have faith. It says, can that faith save him? Are you willing to bank your life on the faith that you claim you have? 
There is never a distinction between faith and works. There's never a distinction. Because you have to understand, he says, if you're saying you have faith, works should be coming out of what you claim you have. Now, if you think about this, if you, if when you first get saved, over a period of time, you will begin to see fruit. You will begin to see some type of fruit. This is what it's saying. Faith without works is dead. Proper faith produces work. Now, in this verse of Scripture, what it's saying is, if you see somebody in need, when you're in Christ, his compassion is now on the inside of you, and that desire is now to meet that need. When you read in James 2.18, I like the way it says it in, the, in Young's literal translation. It says, show me thy faith out of thy works, and I will show thee out of my works my faith. Listen to this. Salvation is not about faith in works. It's about faith that works. It's the faith that works. It's the faith that automatically bears fruit. Why do you think in Matthew, he would say, Jesus would say, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. It says you will know them by their fruits. The fruits that, that they produce is who you know is serving the Lord. The fruits that you produce will tell you how committed if you are serving God. John the Baptist would say in Matthew, bear fruit keeping with repentance. When you come to the Lord by faith, you repent of your life. You say, Lord, I know I cannot please you. I know that there's nothing that I can do aside from you. I look to you totally as my righteousness. What happens with that faith that you are now professing comes works. It, it, works come. Let, let's look a little bit closer at pruning. This was very interesting to me. Pr pruning me, means to purge or cleanse. Now, this is how pruning comes, by suffering, by trials. Listen, I know in my own life, going through various types of trials, it produced an admiration and reverence that I would have not have gotten had I been sitting on the beach of Christianity. It produced a desire to seek God harder than I've ever seeked him before. Getting prayers answered the way you think should go will prune away your motive in prayer. It'll prune it away. Serving God for who he is, rather than what you think he should do or think he is, will prune away who God is in your life. God is in heaven saying, no, I'm this. But God, I want you to be this. No, I'm this. This is what I'm doing in your life. And he is still pruning to this day. Now, as a vine dresser, he uses a knife. Now, we, I mean, how many of you have felt cut? I mean... But I, I understand what this knife is. Understand that God is a master gardener. He is the absolute best at what he does. He prunes with sheer elegance, with, with majesty. He, I mean, I don't want to go 80s on you, but I picture Mr. Miyagi with the bonsai tree. 
You know, he's just sitting there and he's just looking at it and he's pruning all the right spots. Listen, pruning can come from someone backstabbing you. God could be trying to close in your circle of friends. I mean, if you think about it, God could be, how, how else will you learn boundaries? See, there are some things that God will take you along and things will happen and God will say, you know what, I'm going to allow this to happen because you're going to learn this in this situation. So don't think that things that happen like God's on the side, uh, you know, with his hands crossed like, man, I'm sorry I didn't see that happening. God knows exactly what he's doing. God will allow hardships to come to produce fruit in our life. Some fruit may taste bitter. But if you let it sit through a frost, it'll get sweeter. If you keep, you know, sometimes you go through some things, through some things and you're like, man, how long am I going to, am I going to have to go through this? Trust God. He's ripening the situation to make you better and to bring himself glory. Sometimes it may take a bad business decision to teach you how to do business. Sometimes it may be a financial struggle that you, you find yourself in to teach you how to better manage your finances. How do you view the vine dresser is the question. Honestly, you may wonder if he knows what he's doing. Seriously, we, we, we look at that, it's like, God, did you even see this? You allowed this, this, and this all at one time. Do, does God really know what he's doing. Listen, he is too wise to make a mistake and he is perfect in all of his ways. Do you see the vine dresser as, as someone who just takes an axe and is just chopping on a tree? Or do you see him that is making, as someone who is making a masterpiece, someone who is skillful in the craft that he is doing? Let's look at the pruning knife in John 15, verse 3. It says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Do you catch the pruning knife here? The the reason we know that is because the word clean in verse 3 is the same type of word, katharos, which is the same one that we looked at earlier. So God will use a circumstance and it will prune us. And then we'll really go into his word, and that's where the cutting begins to bear more fruit. See, when we get in God's word, we begin to learn what we need to do in a situation. We begin to learn how to react. We begin to learn about who God is. So he says that we are made clean, which is the same word as prune through the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit are both joints and marrow. He is able to judge the thoughts and intention of the heart. You know why God takes out his knife? To conform us to Christ. That is the goal, to be like Christ. Now, how does this happen to produce fruit, abiding. John 15, 4 through 5. What does abiding mean? Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. So abiding is a picture of baptism. 
It's a picture of being in. You know, there's a figurative and there is a, 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 a spiritual side of baptism. It's a picture of a ship being at the bottom of the ocean and water being in the ship and ship being in, and the ship being in the water. It's being totally enveloped, totally connected to who Jesus is, that he flows out of us. We abide in him by what he did at Calvary. We, we abide by worshiping him, by reading his word, by praying, by staying alongside of him, even when it gets harder, even when it gets darker. We hold on and we abide. John 15, 6, if anybody, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now, I don't want to go into this because, you know, there's different schools of thought. Is it people that, that were in Christ that fell away and he trimmed them away and threw them away? Some people say that it's a matter of tying up. You know, the, the one saved, always saved crowd looks at it that way. And that's not my intention to get into that because I want to talk about bearing the fruit. Also, we don't know if it's the final judgment or if it's the adversity that you experience in life, the here and now. That would be a whole different sermon. Okay, so let's keep going. Number two, the benefits of abiding. Number one, it's salvation. John 15, 7, 11. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Now listen to this. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your, and your joy may be made full. Now, you're reading this and you're like, oh, I got to keep the commandments or God doesn't love me. <laughs> Don't you just love when it gets like that? Didn't we talk about that with the rich young ruler? Jesus is bringing the commandments up. Okay, maybe you don't remember that. Listen, this is the deception. You can abide in the house and not abide in Christ. You can abide, you could come here for 20, 25 years, 30 years, and never tap into the vine. Abiding in Christ. Listen, it's, the picture of that is Judas. He was around Jesus. He was walking with him. He was sitting amongst them, but he was not in Christ. So the question is, remember, in Luke 8, 14, if you're in the good soil, you bring, you bring fruit to maturity. If not, you bring no fruit to maturity. So the proof is in the fruit. So look at your life. What fruit am I producing? What fruit is coming out of me? Let me give you a second benefit. We can expect God to answer our prayer. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done. Now, the second part of this verse is the verse that we, the part that we skip over. See, we go claim a verse and we say, oh, that's what the verse says. I'm standing on it and, and that's all there is to it. But look at the second part. And my words abide in you. It's like what Pastor Todd was teaching about tithing. Remember that? It's like, well, if I tithe, should I get rich? Well, when the word abides in you, the Lord is speaking to you through that word. See, we can read the word, but can the word read you? 
is the word on the inside of you fitting in the circumstance that pertains for God's will for your life. See, that's where the key comes in. You can quote a verse, but if it does not fit in God's plan and purpose for your life, then you may not see the fruit of it. But if his word is in you, what's happening is you're conforming to the image of Christ, and now you begin to pray for God's will instead of your own will. You begin to abide in the character of Christ. Now, the, the number C, or letter C, I'm sorry. We can experience his love and joy. This is where I want to stop for a second. It says, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandment. Abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. So is this verse saying that you have to keep the law for God to love you? Listen, when you're in Christ, you are deemed a law keeper. So when you're abiding in Christ, everything that God is has now been given to you, and you now are the righteousness of Christ. That's why it says, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. That's the key. He lived a righteous, perfect life, never breaking one commandment in thought, word, and deed. And when Christ died on Calvary, God took all that he was and put it on our account and took all that we are and put it on Christ's account. So that's what it means. So we are being rewarded for the obedience that Christ lived. That's beautiful. That's amazing. That, that, that should blow anybody's mind because you know you, I know me. And for that benefit to apply to you is humbling. And that's what produces thankfulness. That's what produces just a desire to just lay in the feet of Jesus and tell him thank you, thank you, thank you, over and over and over. That's what I cannot wait for the, for the millennial kingdom. I hope that God, just some kind of way, allows us to just have our own time with Jesus Christ. I don't want to wait in line behind somebody and be like, oh, i got to wrap it up. Just want to get with the Lord, worship at his feet, and tell him thank you for all that you did for me. Come on, it's a personal experience. Jesus himself said that he came to fulfill the law. So it didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled it. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are good rules. I mean, don't you agree? I mean, it's a good practice to not steal. It's a good practice to not murder. But just because Jesus fulfilled the commandments doesn't mean we can walk around and kill people or think in our mind that we hate someone because it's the same thing. So when you look at this verse, yes, we should still not covet. Yes, we should still honor our mother and father. Yes, we should still not commit adultery because all of these things. But here's the question. Does God give you the power to resist these things? John 15, 11, that my joy may be in you and your joy may, may be full. Listen when he says, his joy may be in us and we may be full. Number three, let's look at fruit. What fruit is not? Fruit is not necessarily success. It's not a, a church full of people that's bulging at the seams. You cannot just measure success. Listen, tumors grow. So you can't just look at growth. 
You can't, you, it's got to be healthy growth. Buildings can draw people. Talent can draw people. Personalities can draw people. But it does not mean there's necessarily fruit. There are sm very small ministries that are producing fruit. There's people overseas that you will never see or until you stand before the king of glory and you will see some lowly looking person that's, you know, just probably hasn't done much as far as we would consider successful but has done everything in the kingdom of God. And you will see the crowns upon crowns upon crowns. So fruit is not necessarily a variety of success. You may be doing a Bible study and only have two or three people coming. If they are faithful and they are growing, you are producing fruit. Fruit is not emotionalism or doing special things. Listen, it's not speaking King James English. It's not carrying this huge Bible around. It's not posting scriptures all day on Facebook. You know, some people that do that, the minute you disagree with them, it's like they're like an anaconda and they will swallow you whole. Or you dare not walk by them and not acknowledge them, they will cut you like a ninja with butterfly knives. John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now listen, obviously people can do things apart from Christ, but the context is not fruit that matters. Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now let's get to the, the nitty-gritty. What is fruit? Well, number one is Christ-likeness. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things is no law. Now, Jesus, once again, fulfilled this. He walked in this every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This was who he is. So how does God prune away things in our life to make us Christ-like? He prunes away who we are. Mm -hmm. he, oh, yeah. He starts snipping away who we are because he wants us to be more of who Christ is. Because this is the deal. When he snips away, what happens is Christ is able to grow and fulfill in that area. Now, notice he talks about fulfilling the commandments. I was looking at this, and in my mind I thought, okay, you have the Ten Commandments. How does Galatians fit in the commandments? Because it says against these there is no law. So when I looked at this, you know, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. And I just went down and thought, Okay, if I take these traits in Galatians and fit them into the Ten Commandments, what is the vaccination for that? You shall have no other gods before me. Faithfulness and love counteracts that. You shall make no idols. Faithfulness and love. You shall take, not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Love and self-control. You know, when you get mad, you want to use an explicitive. Well, self-control will help that. And I'm just going to kind of go through another one. You shall not murder. If you have love, peace, patience, self-control, and gentleness, it will keep you away from wanting to commit murder. You shall not steal. Peace, self-control, and goodness. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Self-control, goodness, peace, kindness, gentleness. 
You shall not covet self-control, kindness. So against these there is no law, which means if you are walking in Christ and these fruits are being produced in your life, you are staying away from these very, from the very commandments that are good to shoot for anyway. So the remedy to law is grace, but it's grace through who Jesus is and what he provides. Now, when we are reading and praying, you ever, you ever leave quiet time and you just want to go hug somebody? You know, you just, you, you leave after being in God's presence and he's just lavishing his love on you. You walk out of that, you're not in a bad mood. You want to go help somebody. Why is that? Because you're connected to the vine and what, who Christ is, is flowing through you. Listen, the purpose of that is to draw them to glorify God, not us. Listen, pretend this is a phone. And, you know, people take their phone out. And what they do is they, you know, maybe they, they, they feel like they, they just left the gym or maybe they put some makeup on. And then they go up and they, they take a selfie. <laughs> they take a selfie and they say, pride goes before a fall, but I ain't tripping. Click. That's bringing glory to yourself. God's intention, if you want to quote scripture, <laughs> don't mask it with yourself. Off the soapbox. Number, <laughs> let's look at fruit. Also another thing, fruit, which is true worship. Listen, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 15, through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to his name. Sometimes praise may be looking up to the sky, looking through salty tears and giving God all the glory and all the honor. Sometimes worship is laying in your bed and you cannot even move, paralyzed by circumstance, but yet you lift your hands up and you begin to praise God regardless of how you feel. That is fruit. That is a sacrifice of praise. How does God prune us in this worship? He reaches down at the very moment we even begin to lift our hands and he takes our hands and lifts us up. When our eyes Filled with tears and we're worshiping God. God is reaching down with his heavenly Kleenex to wipe your tears. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the sacrifice of praise. When we just enter in and say, God, I don't feel it. I don't even feel saved. But I know in whom I believe, in whom I trust with my entire being. God, this is all that I have to give you today, but you can have it. I give it all to you. And all of heaven looks down and says, that is worship. That is worship. C, giving to the work of the Lord is fruit. Philippians 4, 16 and 17. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that is increased to your credit. Giving financially to the work of God is furthering the kingdom of God. Through missions. Now, how does God prune here? He supplies seed to the sower. 
He also, when we are in lack, when we are not feeling the way that we should, and we just give in faith, who you think gave us that faith? In 1 Peter 4.19, if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to, to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. He will never fail you. When you minister out of your need, you will see God's hand of blessing on your life. Sometimes you don't feel like talking to someone. You're trying to figure it out yourself. And God will say, hey, I want, I want, I want you to talk to this person. And you're like, I don't even want to talk. <laughs> and God says, but I got something for you. And you begin to minister. And God is filling you up. Most of the time when you go to minister to someone and you thinking they need ministry, they're ministering to you. God has sent them to you. Man, God is so good. He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly where you are. And God is always willing, always willing to meet you where, you're, where you are at. D, purity is, a con, is conduct of fruit. Oh, yeah, purity, the P word. Colossians 1.10, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce, listen to this, every kind of fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Now, how does God prune? Conviction. God is getting the unclean things out. That's the part. <laughs> That's where we start measuring, well, man, this one does this. Listen, God's worried about you. When you stand before God, you're not going to be arm in arm with the guy you've been comparing yourself to. It's going to be you and the Lord. And God is always wanting to move things out. Why? Because he wants to move things in. Do you think God hates you? Do you think God is mad at you? Do you think God wants nothing to do with you? Listen, God is trying to get the junk out of us so he can give us himself. That is the greatest thing that God can give. God can look in, in heaven at a mirror all day and be perfectly satisfied with himself. He needs nothing outside of himself. But when God does this, look at Johnny. And he looks down at you. What he is doing is he's giving you a part of himself. He's saying, I love you so much that I'm going to give you a part of me. Now, that may seem conceited to some, but it's not conceited when you're perfect. God can, give, can, can do selfies all day. God can do selfies all day because he is all that. <laughs> E, making converts is fruit. We're closing up here too, by the way. John 4, 35 and 36. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit of eternal life. Aren't you glad that the gospel reached you? Aren't you glad that you have the ability to go and present the gospel? Now, winning souls is fruit. Now, how does he do this? He prunes away our selfishness and gives us his desire for the lost. 
Can we stand? Let's, let's stand here. Listen, I don't know where you are, and I don't know what kind of fruit you're producing. But listen, you can start producing godly fruit today. And what happens is, this is what I want to tell you. Don't worry about the fruit. Worry about abiding. And I don't mean worry in a bad way. Don't concentrate on the fruit on the tree. Concentrate on abiding in Christ. Concentrate on being so into Christ that you don't want to breathe without him. You don't want to walk without him. You don't want to say something without him. You don't want to watch something without him. You don't want to listen to something without him. Everything that you want to do is totally enveloped in him. I promise you, you will produce every fruit that we just spoke about. And once again, the second part of this, produce for the motivation of God's glory. Are you concerned with God's glory? Do you want to live a life that people look at you and say, wow, you serve a great God? When you're going through sickness and you're smiling, you know what that, that speaks a million sermons. When you can see someone suffering, when you can see someone on their deathbed and they begin to just lift their hands to God, I saw it, and they just begin to worship God. That speaks volumes. God can do that in every situation you come across, no matter what it's going through. So let's, I want to pray tonight. I just simply want to pray for, for all of us here tonight. Father, we just desire right now for the fruit, God. Number one, to be Christ-like. Come on, ask God. God, teach me how to be Christ-like. Father, I I abide in you, and I ask that your benefits of who you are, God, would begin to flow in my life. Come on, just that's all we have to do is simply ask. The Bible says if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. We're asking dead sinner of God's will. If you want to get along with your spouse, become Christ-like. If you want to get along with your kids, become Christ-like. If you want to get along with your co-workers, become Christ-like. Number two, God, we desire, come on, you ask him, that we would, that we would worship you in spirit and truth. There may be some things in your life that you're holding on to and it's hindering your worship. Lay that down right now. Just, just say, God, I give this to you. I'm not able to worship with holding this in my hand. Lift it up to God and say, God, I worship you through this. God sees your circumstance. God sees your broken heart. God sees what you need. Simply lift your hands and ask God, God, you see every need. I just simply trust you and worship you for who you are. That's the way that you enter in to his courts with thanksgiving and praise. And then giving. You know, we have a great opportunity at this church. We have multiple areas that you can give, whether it be financially or, or just doing things for the Lord. This is, this, will, this is fertile ground. I don't know if you realize that. This is fertile ground. You have the ability to produce fruit by simply being planted in the things of God here in this house. And when you stand before God, God will mark down. God is already marking every 
penny that you give. He is mark, marking every bulletin that you handed out. He is everything that you've ever done. Every time you ushered, God has it written down. And God will reward you for your faithfulness. So, Father, we just thank you. Come on, thank God for the privilege to give of our time and our finances because we are sowing in the very kingdom of God. Now, come on, let's ask God for purity. Father, we ask for purity of thoughts, purity of actions, purity of desires. Come on, we need purity in our lives. Some of our lives are so filled with junk. Worship Worship God and ask God for purity. Father, we come on, let intercede. Come on, the church is silent. I, I, want you to, I want you to open up your mouth and you ask God, God, give me purity. Give me purity in my thoughts, in my deeds, in my words. Father, I, come on, I pray for strong conviction upon my life to not even desire to sit before things that are repulsed to you, God. Father, we thank you right now. That you give, it, you give us the power to overcome all the obstacles of the enemy. Maybe some of you don't witness because you don't have the desire to see the lost saved. And that's understandable. But we don't stay there. Come on, we get so concerned in the things of our own life. Let's ask God to give us his heart for the lost. Father, we ask right now by your power and by your presence and by your might. God, that you would give us your heart. That you would give us the desire to witness to the lost, God. The desire to lift up our neighbors. Come, sometimes we get so consumed with us and our own stuff. And God is saying, hey, I, I see what you're dealing with. I need you to lay that down and I need you to help this person. And in doing that, God is handling your situation. So, Father, we thank you for the ability to witness, God. Thank, Father, we thank you for a testimony. Can I encourage you? If you've taken notes, go back and pray for these things because you're praying the very will of God. Father, we just thank you tonight. God, I just trust that you have shown your people some things. God, I thank you for the privilege of abiding in you. God, I thank you for the privilege of producing fruit that is pleasing to you. God, all we desire is to make you smile. That's all we desire, to make you happy, God, because you make us happy. Father, we thank you for this time in your word tonight. God, I just ask that you would bless these as they go. Bless their coming and going. Father, I pray that you would bless everything that their hands touch. And God, that you would draw them closer to you and make them more, as well as myself, more like Christ. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. Amen and amen.